With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know, I think I started the card if I was probably eight or nine. Out of our school team, there was four of us who went from my Coy Glass team, actually, you know, the Cardiff City under 10s as it was then. So we've set up in a team against like Blakey's there, Carl Dale's there, Jason Perry's there, and Eddie May's taking the session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he was the first probably experience I had as a manager down there, and obviously coming from a fan, and that year we went up when there was like 18,000 in the Ninian Park and, you know, third division. Mm-hmm. And Kenny was obviously a legend at Wolves. Um, and he'd managed Walsall, done a decent job coming. And I really, Kenny was really good, really nice guy. I learnt a lot from him. I think what didn't help is obviously the media I had at the time. You know, near enough, I'd probably say, I don't know, once a week, I was on the back page. I to, you know, Cardiff was my hometown club, it was a club I supported, I didn't want to leave. Then it was the maddest thing, come back, started training, just didn't, literally didn't speak to me. On the Friday, the team sheet goes up, and honestly, I've never been so shocked in football in all my life. Mm. So the team sheet goes up and it's 16 names or whatever. I'm not on there. He goes, you're training well, you're doing well, you're fit, look at you, you're doing it. And I'm like, yes, Frank, yes, Frank. I come skipping out the door and I'm like, I'm not fucking playing though. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. This is our My Story series. You can check out the first three of two and a half series so far um, at youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation or Ace Podcast Nation presents My Story on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all those good things, all the podcasts and stuff. Please do check out our patreon.com slash Ace Podcast Nation for exclusive clips, behind the scenes videos and uh, our Patreon-only series, adult comedy series, The Limp, The Boot and The Limp, which is wild, uh, full of expletives, but it's very, very funny. But it uh, helps us keep going, keep the channel going, supports us. It's only £3 a month, if you so wish. But uh, on with the chat today. I'm really looking forward to it. Speaking to a uh, former Cardiff City defender, Wales Under-21, once described as the best footballer at Cardiff City Football Club, uh, Mr Lee Jarman. How are you, buddy? Good. Good morning, sir. Long time ago, that I think. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was still sad, though, man. Yeah, That's the thing, yeah. and I think um, 
football's changed a lot, I would imagine, from back then, do you reckon? Yeah, massively, you know, I'm coaching at the moment at Pennebonce, you know, you see a difference with uh, the youngsters. We've got a lot of ex, like Cardiff, sort of academy players coming through, but, you know, they are totally different now, you know, tactically. Yeah. My uh, my boys have been through the two, the oldest and the youngest one have been through like the academy system. Mm. Of they were at Cardiff and then Tafswell and like even at Tafswell, which is you know, like whilst yeah. team, isn't it? Like these facilities they've got, the coaches, the everything which is in place. It's like what I would have had when I was having a trial with Cardiff or mm. whatever when I was younger. And I'm sure like and it, it just this, the money involved in the standard, which is good. You, know, you want that to develop players and I think back to like. We're of similar age, like back in the day, how many players got missed? Because it was basically if you got scouted or saw a football game or whatever, that was it. Whereas these days you've got the internet and all that sort of stuff. Well, I think you look at Cardiff Academy now, if, if you liken it back to when I was in the, the so-called academy, you had, I don't know if you remember, Gavin Tate. He basically did from under eight up to under 18, the whole yeah, thing. Right, yeah. I think he had four scouts maybe. But he oversaw everything, and you think the amount of work that takes. You know, I've worked in the academy for four years, lucky enough, and it's a totally different world now. You know, like you said, even Welsh League clubs, the academies they've got set, which is great for the kids. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's it's also it's almost foolproof that no one falls through the net now. I think you know. Yeah, and I think like <clears throat> it's hard because I think a lot of players got missed back in the day, but then these days, like. For instance, with my boys, a couple of the like a lot of the Tapswell players are boys who come out with the Cardiff system mm -hmm. and the Swansea systems and stuff like that. So, I think from that, and the other thing I noticed, especially with um, with Cardiff, is they'll retain I'd like the sort of sevens, eights, nines, mm -hmm. tens. They retain the exceptional players, the ones who are good. They tend to let go, or they'll put into the development centres. But you change so much as a kid from like twelve to 15, 16, yeah. I do wonder how many of those players who get dropped 12, 13, and then when they're 16, they could be completely different football. I think there's a couple of things, Psych psychology for, psych you know, that side of things, for a kid to get released when they're eight or nine, it's a tough one to take. Yeah. And, you know, we spoke briefly off camera earlier about parenting. A big thing is some of the parents want it more than the kids. So when the kid gets released at eight, nine, they're like, wow, what's, what's going to happen now? Where when I was down in the academy, to be honest, when we brought kids in when they were 13 or 14, it was mad to see. They were a lot fresher. Yeah. They hadn't been in an academy for four days a week, which is a double-edged sword because the academy do great things. But my one concern with the academy is I think the boys spend too much time there. Yeah, they I don't. You know, I look back to when I was a kid. I love playing football with my mates at youth club, at school, at Cardiff schools. If I'm totally honest, Cardiff City was once a week, yeah. and it was pressurised, so it was tough. So sometimes you wouldn't want to go because you're like, oh right, I'm, you know, Gavin Tate is watching me. You know, I'm under pressure here. Mm. Where when you're playing with your mates over the park or in school, when's the next game? Where's the next game? So you know, you'd want to play the next game. Yeah. So you look at kids now, um, and I'd say the, the kids who come in 13, 14 are a lot fresher psychologically because they yeah. haven't had the academy for six years. Yeah, and the, 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 um, the other thing as well, so there's a, there was a boy in my boys' Liz Vane team who, like, he played with them under sevens, under eights, and he was exceptional. Mm. He, like, scoring, like, ten goals on a Saturday and stuff. But, like, they, he signed for Cardiff, um, and... 
he was still playing then with Liz Vane for I think another year. But by end of like tens, they told him he wasn't allowed to play for the school mm. or Liz Vane because he was there, you know, X amount of times a week, travelling all around the country, which is great. But like parks football and school football is such a big part of developing as a as a footballer, as a kid, as just it's the best I time. Think, I think it? you're right, as a as a person more than anything. You know, we used to have when I was at Cardiff in the Academy, we'd play Cardiff schools. Believe it or not, when I was coming through, the schools had total say in everything. Mm. So if the schools in Cardiff City had a game, the schools would take precedence over everything. The schools would have now Cardiff have say over everything. Yeah. So when we come to play Cardiff schools in a friendly, our Cardiff City boys would play for Cardiff schools. But you'd see a totally different boy, a totally different player. Mm. We'd be like, well, so so he's been struggling for us. We're playing him right back. He plays centre midfield for Cardiff schools. He's really relaxed for Cardiff schools. You see the real player. Yeah. And this is what you know. Why I think. Don't get me wrong. You want the kids in this in the system, and the club have got to adhere to certain rules in terms of hours and how long they're down there. But I don't see any reason why twice a week they couldn't go to their youth club or Cardiff City go and play their youth teams. And, and Cardiff do a great job at the academy. They, mm. they love, they'll have their knockers, most academies do. But I think as an academy, they do everything they can in their powers to give the players the best chance, which you see like Isaac Davis, Ruben coming through. I had all these boys when they were 13. Yeah. So they give them the best opportunity. My big argument down there then was, you know, if you haven't got a first team manager buying into the youth system, what's yeah. the point in the academy? Because like you're only going to find out. Yeah, you're only going to find out what they can do when they play. And the other thing as well with that is, like, I spoke to um, a sports psychologist before, who her job was to to help footballers from around all around the country, who when they're 16 they don't get offered a deal. And she said, you see some kids who've been in the academy system with the same club from under sevens to under 16s, they just assume that it's a natural progression because they've been there all their life, really. And then they get told, oh, no, you're not. And their parents have been pushing them, like you say. And they don't know, they were like, oh, I've not been trying hard in school because I've been playing football four times a week, so I haven't revised for my GCSEs. And they're, they're lost. They've like, been telling their mates they're a Cardiff City player, you yeah, know. They now, they've got to turn wrong, yeah, now they've got to turn around to their mate and go, I've been released. Yeah. It's, it's one of the most heartbreaking things. When I was down there, I had to release players. It's the most heartbreaking thing. So it's, I've been in that position where I've made, you know, got to a certain level. But to tell somebody who's been there from eight till 16 or 18, that's it, yeah. you're done. Um, and then, you know, a lot of it's a parenting. How, how as a parent do you go from, oh, my child's a Cardiff City player or prospect, now he's just an, yeah. not to sound bad, a normal boy. Yeah. There's, um, there's some, you guys have interesting parents, like within the academy systems I noticed. Like, my boy struggled when he, because he got in, he had like trials and that when he was at, like eight or nine, he was a goalkeeper. And like on a Saturday for his school, he was an exceptional mm. goalkeeper. But whenever he played for Cardiff in training, he was all right. Um, but in the games, he just couldn't hack it. Like, psychologically, he just put so much pressure on himself because he was like, if I make a mistake now, I'm never going to be a footballer. And I used to say to him, look, it's not about being a footballer, just try and develop and get better and work yeah. hard. But he sees other kids and their dads are like, well, you've got to do this because then you're going to yeah. get And they've got it all mapped out for them. I think a big thing with that is, that, is you know, the parents getting educated with it as well. Mm. And again, Cardiff do do, you know, they'll have meetings with parents to say, this is how we behave, this is the, 
you know, the chances, because yeah. the chances are, the chances of making a pro footballer is, so slim, it's man. like, I don't know what it was, it's come out, it's like 0. 0.0 something percent of all footballers who start. And the other worrying stat was, I don't know the exact stat, but it's something like by the time an academy player comes through the academy, gets released, the number of them who aren't even playing football by the time they're 21, yeah. because they've just gone, shit, that, I'm done, you know, it's just a massive deflation for them. But going back to the parents' side of it, you know, you've got to be so careful with the parents now because, you know, again, off camera we spoke about the rewards are such now. The parents are living their kids' dreams. Yeah. Well, if your kid makes it, you, you're set for life and you if you, they make it like as a top footballer. But you'd be surprised if you've got a squad of 15. Most parents are brilliant. They understand. But then you've got the odd parent who's like, but my son's going to make mm. me a it's your, boy, it's your child. Forget about football. Just let them live it's your their child. Life, it? And I think football. I think footballers within the academy would do better if the parents sort of gone. Do you know what? It is what it is. Because you know the, the amount of hours the parents put in. Oh, it's travelling, mate, as well. It's, um, I was so shocked. And in a way, I'm lucky. I come through a, a much lesser system. But like I look at my boy now, and invariably people go, "Oh, do you want to play football?" I said, "To be honest, if he wants to play football, my happiest times were playing football when I was a kid. You know, no doubt about it." But that's what it was, you know, to make it as a pro and everything, I'd probably say, look, if he's good enough when he's 13, 14, I'd look at it. Mm. There's no way I'd be put in, and this is, again, no detriment to the yeah. academy. I understand they've got to do it, because if they don't do it, somebody else will. Swansea will come and take an eight-year-old. But like an eight-year-old boy, and I know I've got really good friends running the, the foundation phase at the mm. academy, and they do, I said, they do a really good job. But an eight-year-old boy, a seven-year-old boy, four times a week. Yeah, they've, got, they've got to be kids. They've got to be, you, I think you've got to let them be kids as well, you know? Yeah, my boy was training, like my youngest one was training pre-Covid. He was training, he was playing football in some form with someone, like four or five times a week, some, some weeks. And I would say to him, like, mate, do you want to, you know, we'll swerve this or we'll swerve that, just have, just have some time. And, but he loved it and he wanted to keep doing it and he wanted to get better and he wanted to do all that stuff. But, like, I was very aware of, like, five days out of seven, is a lot after school mm. and it's just constant football but it's also constant coaching and having an adult say you know do this drill do this do it like this and if you're going to be doing school all day and then you're doing it then for two hours in the night whatever it's a lot of just someone talking to you and at you and i think coaching's got such a big thing now and you know at, at lower levels they still similar to when i come through atlantis and youth club they wouldn't have been paid but i see a lot of coaches now who are dads, got a tracksuit on, I'm yeah. a coach. Because yeah. they watch Match of the Day, they watch Sky, they see the coaches and they go, right, I'm going to be a coach. Mm. Now, you've got to be very careful then, because if those three coaches you've got in 15 boys are giving the kids wrong messages, I hear some horror stories. Oh, I see some horror so I'll tell you what now, from um, earlier this season, we played against, I won't <laughs> say the team, but like we played under 13s. Mm. Played um, a team over Lanishan Park. Um, it was quite a close game, quite good. I they bet it was rough over there, Simon, was it? Yeah. Lanishan Park. Well, that's <laughs> it. But it was the team we played. Like, like, so it was, they scored two goals early on, like 10 minutes mm. in, it was 2 0. And so they thought it was going to be easy. But our boys always start slow anyway. And we got two goals back just before half time. And they'd be quite a physical team, like. But it, up till then, it had just been competitive, mm. physicality. But then, as soon as we equalised, 
you could see the change, like the tackles come a bit more nasty, the coaches, the parents are swearing and encouraging her. And this, the ball went through to our keeper. He's like picked it up, died. And boys, just strikers just come in, jumped in, like two footed on him. He had picked the ball up like a good couple of seconds before. Of course, the ref froze up. So then from that point, their coach has um, basically every decision, throw-ins, everything, any little stop in the game to, to say to the ref, mm. blah, 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 blah. So our coach has said, oh, look, look, like, it's getting a bit ridiculous now. I'm going to just go. We're going to pull them off and we'll go. You can have the points if you mm. want them that much. Because it was getting nastier and mm. nastier. And it got to a point where there was a couple of boys on their team who were like saying over to the parents and the coaches, can you just shut up? Mm. Because we just want to play football. Mm. But you're stopping the game every five minutes. And um, in the end, they pulled them off because it was getting really nasty. And then you got the parents on sort of our side who were getting, they're getting annoyed then. Yeah. And my boy had come off for a rest. And he was just, as they stopped the game, he was going to play on the left wing on that side of the pitch. And I'm thinking... Don't want him over. Yeah, I don't want... I'm thinking I feel like I need to go over there now just to mm. make sure because... He's safe. Yeah. And it's like under 13... Which, like, again... Do you like, care that much about three points? But you think you think back when I was pl like probably 35 years ago, say under 10s, like if you asked anyone, you'd probably think, oh, well, it must have been rougher then. You know, it, it, to be honest, in all the years I played youth football around Cardiff, Poncana, uh, Kevin on... I can't remember one parent arguing. No. Parents now, never. because I think they see the rewards. Oh, I must have. Honestly, Wild. parenting is the biggest. And we spoke off camera, boy. I, I'm, you know. A bug bear, man, yeah, I'm no know. angel, you know, in terms of I wouldn't be like that, but in other parts of parenting, I'm, I, I wouldn't yeah. say I'm that good. Yeah. But just let the, the, the kids have got to enjoy they it. If they don't enjoy it, they just want to play. Yeah. You know, if you took the parents out of the whole thing and just let them play, that the pressure would go, you know. It's it, what, it, the parenting was. You know, even when I worked on the academy, again, I I I look at the parents and I think, Jesus Christ, how are you doing this? Because they'd start training at five, so the parents are having to finish work early to get them there. Yeah. Then we're going to like Southampton on a Sunday. Some of them from West are staying overnight on a Saturday to get the kids in time on a Sunday, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, it, it's a hell of a shift, but. There's, you know, the minority of parents saying, why isn't my son playing here? Why isn't... Yeah. I'm like... I was, like, baffled by it. I really got... It, it was a real eye-opener in terms of parenting. Mm. Although it was football, it was, it was like, Jesus Christ. And then you're thinking, what's happening in that car on the way home? You know, yeah. what's, what information are they having off their parents? Because some of the parents be like, you were brilliant today, where sometimes they might need, listen, you need to work harder yeah. than this. And then the flip side of it is like, why didn't you do this? Yeah. And the other thing as well is if they if those parents are depending on like they're banking on their kid making it, if their kid's not good enough or hasn't put a shift in or doesn't want to be there because he's fed up of being shot with that and thing, and then he's got to drive back from Southampton or whatever mm. in the car with his dad, he's thinking, I just want to go home. And his dad's just constantly oh, for the whole 100%. drive going, Well, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, why aren't you working harder? You're rubbish today, whatever. And I'm sure in some cases, you know, it could be even worse. Like I, it's. I think that's like I said. I was. I'm lucky in a way. I'm really lucky because I did make it as a pro, so I know the the, the pitfalls of it. Yeah. Also, you know, I look at my son, so I I see that other side of it. But some of these parents have never, you know, kicked the football in their lives. Yeah, yeah. 
you know? don't understand it. Uh, no, they don't understand what the, the child's going through. You know, they, they, they do loads of stuff on when you, you, you know, you're growing your teen years. I've seen a massive difference, like from even 11, 12, and then I had the 13, 4 years on the bounce. And so you go 11, you go, oh, how have you found today? Oh, I loved it, yeah, really. Mm. 13. Yeah, mm. Right. Mm. 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 Have you enjoyed today? Mm. Mm. Uh, what have you done in school? Mm. Mm. Because you see that change. And again, Cardiff do loads of work, really good work behind the scenes. Um, but that just little change, even when we were younger, no one would have. You know, I went through a growth spurt, and no one said to me, oh, you're going through a growth spurt, you're struggling. Yeah. It's like, get on with it, what are you doing? You've, you've grown six inches in the last year. You've got to adjust your new body shape and size. Massively, and not only that, mentally as well, you, you're changing, you know? Uh, I think people forget as well, like, high school's brutal. Like, it's horrible. I've watched my three boys go in, like, and the younger one has had his COVID's decimated. Mm. Like, he missed out on the end of year six in, Co in Coy Glass, and then he's gone into year seven, completely different with masks and all this sort of stuff. So he's had a whole different thing of dealing with it. But, like, in year seven, you get these kids from all different schools Mm. And I do think it's worse for boys because you get boys from all different schools. They've all been, they might be the cool kids or mm. whatever in their school, but suddenly they're all just chucked, chucked together. So they're all like jockeying for position. Battle, yeah. And then you've got the teachers go from cajoling you along and being nice and friendly, friendly in, in primary school. And then in high school, suddenly it's like, no, nah, you do as you're told. Homework tests. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. And I think... People forget that. They forget what it was like when they went to high school. And it's even harder now because you've got camera phones and social media and things like that, which I think, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad there was not those things when I was younger. Massively. Because you make mistakes when you're a teenager, when you're growing up. But <coughs> I want to kind of switch up and talk a bit about you. Tell us a bit about like uh, the very early years for Lee Jarman and the growing up. Probably going back to what we just said, you know, looking back, like the happiest times were over my local park, trying to get into the school team in Coy Glass, playing for Cardiff schools, and then hopefully getting picked up by a club. But, you know, you can't take away, like, 15 of your mates on a summer holiday, like we were saying earlier, where you'd go out at half eight in the morning, you'd be playing football, cricket, golf, whatever it was, you'd just make up your own sports, yeah. and you'd be out all day, you know? It, and they were the, ha the happiest times of your life. Like I said, as you start getting into systems, i.e. Cardiff, not so much Cardiff schools, because you know, it was still really an enjoyable. I think once you get involved with a club, you know, straight away you're like, oh, I've got to be at my best year. Which, for eight, nine, you know, I think I started at Cardiff when I was probably eight or nine. Out of our school team, there was four of us who went from my Coy Glass team, actually, you know, the Cardiff City under-10s, as it was then. Mm. So we had a really good score team. Um, so even then, I had that element, I had friends with me. Yeah. But you look back and you think, well, what if there was boys there who I played Cardiff schools with who you didn't know their team was crap? Mm. You know, and they turn up, and they're really good players. But, like, four of us are there. We all know each other. Yeah. Not that we were nasty or anything. But it's, but it's hard, isn't it, to it's, go into a group like totally, that and be at your best? I, th I don't think you... I don't think you also, when you're that age, you don't think about it. You just think... But then looking back, after going through the academy and stuff, you think, Jesus Christ, how hard was it for them? Mm. You know, how hard was it for him? He was travelling. And in those days, the other thing I'd say about academies is, this might sound terrible, because I was from the Crystals in Lanishan. Mm. You, you know, people would turn up, a guy would turn up in a brand new BM. 
and you'd go, well, he's from Kinkoid or Lisvane, he's got brand new boots. But then you'd have people turning up from like lower end areas, barely got a pair of boots on it, yeah. on their feet. Now, you go, you could not tell who's from a rich yeah. area, because all the kids have got everything. Everyone's got a nice car, even from the most more deprived. Everyone's got everything now, mm. for, by hook or by crook. There's no like sort of, when I was car to school, oh, you, you know, you'd go, oh, feel a bit sorry for him, he's had to get two buses here with his mum. Mm. That never happened. Never no. happened, no. No. It's um, it's a weird thing, isn't it? I like, not just football, but like everything's developed like that, isn't it? Where you get by, um, like you say, everything's more accessible. Society, society now is like, you know, I always, I always liken to it. If you look at your parents' generation to our generation, there wasn't much difference. No. And what, a funny thing I always say is like, we had four TV channels. My dad probably had four TV yeah. channels when he was a kid. Look at my kids now. They've got 4,000 TV channels. They've got iPads. They've got phones. And I don't, like you said earlier, I don't think it's for the better. No. And I don't think there's been that generation gap probably from the last 10, 15 years. And iPhones have had a massive part of that, haven't they? 100%. My kids We're, don't even watch TV anymore. Like, the, yeah. I, I, like It's all YouTube. And yeah. If I said to them, like, oh, chuck on BBC 3 or whatever, BBC 2 or whatever, they'd be like, you know. But you, you like we. I don't know if you're the same. We'd run home from school half three. You'd have like Granger. You'd have like kids programs. There's no kids TV programs on now because they've got, got their own, own channels. channels yeah, so that generation gap. I don't think in the last 15 years there's ever been a generation gap. I don't think there ever will. Where the generation gap from me to my kids is is massive in terms of technology, what they see, what they don't see, what they know. I mean, my boy's five, and the stuff he comes out with, I'm like. Yeah. Where have you learned that? All right, 100%. Like, my boy, like, for all of them, actually, like, they very, very quickly went from, like, learning how to first use a tablet and, like, suddenly, like, they're, like, now they're on about, like, coding and all this different stuff they can do and they're taking apart tablets and computers and I'm, like... I mean, I, I cock up logging into my email sometimes. That's <laughs> about it, because my missus does all, like with my business, my missus does all my social media. Mm. So I, I wouldn't have a clue how to do social media. I wouldn't know how to post a photo, anything. You know, and oh, mate, my I kids, like I could probably say to my kids, yeah, I do that, and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 My, uh, my, my, uh, my middle boy was like, oh, Dad, I'll, I'll edit your videos for you, and I'll, I'll do mm. your social media for you, and I, but I gotta be honest, for me personally, if I didn't need social media, to you know, promote yeah, shows, you wouldn't and I, I wouldn't be on it. I hate it. It's, it's but, horrible. But I say Toxic, that. But you think how much? Like my business, probably, I'd lose eighty percent of my business. Yeah. Because enough. I put a photo up of a guy, like I'm doing gardens. If I put a photo up, bump, yeah. five. I want that. I want that. I want that. If I didn't have that, so I'm knocking it in one sense, yeah. and I'm very much stuck in the mood, going, oh, I don't want to be on Facebook. I don't want to be on, because my, you know, I watch my misses and mates. Just like, I'm like, well, what are you do? What's what's that? Mm. Oh, so I said, oh, do you know him? No. Mm -hmm. yeah, oh, why, you crazy, why, you know? why would you waste your time looking at somebody else's life? Which is probably fake anyway. Oh, it's one of my pet peeves. It's like you see these people like um, posting like, oh, I've got this and I've got that and I've got this. They it's like they've got this perfect life. Mm. No and, crap. And sometimes you, I, I've seen people doing it and I know oh, exactly. they're, they're on their ass financially and they or their relationship is struggling and... And that, but on social media, it's like, and I just think, why? I don't know. Like, why do you care what strangers think of 
be a life. It just makes no but sense. But that's how it, that's how easy it is as well, isn't it? Get sucked into portray it. Portray your life is so perfect, and yeah. unfortunately, you, you feel you again. You pick the bones out of it. You feel a bit sorry for them then, but to have to do that to make mm. themselves, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, fit in mm. or feel better mm. when really their life isn't like that. You know. Yeah, just embrace embrace what you've got. Like I feel like, but um, so how did your like how did you get picked up by Cardiff? Did you just get spotted? Yeah, so I, like I said with Gavin Tate, I think he was he had probably two or three scouts. So you'd get picked for Cardiff schools. And then, obviously, when they'd have a game, you'd have a, either him there or a Cardiff scout there. And then that was pretty much how they picked you up. And then, like I said, I was pretty much in the system from, from like, nine or ten, maybe. I mean, Craig Glass, the school of people, we always had a good team. And as I said to you earlier, the head teacher, Howard Spriggs, he was involved with football. He was a Welsh uh, radio reporter, so he was quite yeah. well-known in football circles. So I think he'd always pass, you know, players yeah. on yeah. to him and... And then we'd train on a Monday night down Trelai, believe it or not, for an hour. And that would be it. Trelai, Poncana, those pitches back in them days were unplayable in the winter sometimes. These days, the boys are on these pristine 4G pitches. Well, even just for their park teams. We'd have some really good trips to the academy, so they still do now. But I remember the one time, honestly, you could have hit me down with a stone because we're walking around the pitch. So there's a Chelsea's training ground, unbelievable, Cobham. Um, They've got, I don't know. Um, a five-side pitch, 3G pitch, two 3G pitches, a first-team pitch, and then about 15 academy pitches. Now, when I say academy pitches, when we were growing up, you'd have liked them to Wembley. Yeah. And we're walking around the pitch, and I was like, I always should try and listen to them. They were only 13, so I'd listen to the boys, because I'd be like, if it was me, oh, bloody, oh, look mm. at that, look, oh, my God. And one of the boys has said something, and I've gone, oh, what, what would you just say? And he goes, these pitches haven't been watered. <laughs> and I was, mm. like, looking, and I was like, it, it it sent me back a bit, like because mm. you know thinking back to when you were a kid, the shit you play yeah. on, and not that you'd say oh this is it, because you didn't know any different. You just played, didn't you? You just played, and he said oh the pitches aren't being watered. Jesus, that's like different world, isn't it? Different world, you know, going to there. But yeah, yeah. So going back, you know, I'd train once a week with Cardiff. You'd have a game probably once every couple of months. When did um, <coughs> when did you first meet? like the first team manager, do you remember that? Yeah, so, believe it or not, on a school holiday, you go in and you train with, so when I was, say, 14, maybe 14, 13, 14, so the better players then would go in and train with the youth team, who were probably 16 to 19 at the time. Mm. So every school holiday, you'd go in and train with them for two or three days. I remember the one time we went in, and um, for whatever reason, the youth team were there. So Eddie May, at the time as a manager, he'd have the youth team up again, or the youth team up playing against the first team, just in shadow, mm. shadow play. Um, but the youth team were there. So Gavin Tate, we've gone down to Lam Rummy, and Gavin Tate said, off, right off the bus, and we're like, what's happening here? So there was like, I think there was like five boys left over the youth team, and then six of us under 14s or 13s. So we've set up in a team against like Blakey's there, Carl Dale's there, Jason Perry's there. And Eddie May's taking a session, mm. and we're like, "Gee, what? It's massive, isn't it, for a fourteen? Well, I, you know, I was a massive city from 10, 10 onwards. My uncle used to take me to the city. So I was on a bob band. So for me, it was I think it was the year after they'd been promoted that year, the big, you know, I think it was ninety two, ninety three. So I'm like, you, you imagine, oh, and Titty's like, right, set up, right, we're playing against the first team. I'm like, what the? Yeah, you're what's like, going on? Like, what's going on here? 
So that was probably the first time I met Eddie. But obviously, you know, obviously passed away now. But mm. all you can remember, like, just a massive bloke. You know, I was 13, 14, so I was probably just under six foot, like that, skinny, not mm. like I am now. But Eddie, he seemed like he was... Like a giant. Oh, man. like a, re- a WWF wrestler. Because even, you know, the likes of Blakey, Perry, um, Derek Brazil, Carl Dale Surly, they some were football, all... Some footballers there. They were all yeah. still intimidated by him. Which I look now, I think that intimidation's gone. Maybe, I think Ferguson's probably one of the last ones. Yeah, we're going to get to that, I think, Mm. in a minute. But, like, um, I want to stick with you for a minute. Mm. So, like, like I I met Eddie May once when I was a kid. He did, like, a player, you know, like, back in them days, when you had your Player of the Year awards Mm. for for Dane's Court, I think I was only him and he'd give the award. Got a photo somewhere, like, but, yeah, he's massive, just a massive guy, like, but so nice. Like, I just remember, even now, even, I probably had, what, 30 seconds of talking mm. to him, if that. But I just remember, like, I was in awe as a Cardiff fan. I was just a manager, like. Mm. But he was just so so nice, like. So he used fine, to drink, like. my, my parents used to drink in the Lakelands. Do you remember the Lakelands yeah. Club in Rita Penner? He used to drink in there. And they always used to say, like, lovely guy, talk to him. But the, the remember, the YT boys who were older than me at the time, remember Gorman, Darren Ainsworth, yeah, people yeah. like that, Matthew Crocker, who's coaching for Southampton now, he's got a really good job. He's really good they used to call him the, uh, they used to call him the lion tamer, because mm. he used to like, basically stand in the middle of the ring with a whip and say, right, you're there, you're there. But yeah, he's, he was the first probably experience I had as a manager down there, and obviously coming from a fan, and that year we went up, when there was like 18,000 in the Ninian Park, and you know, third division. Mm. I don't know, do you remember it was them and Barnett? Yeah, and I think the one time Barnett, because Barry Fry was manager of Barnett, I think, and uh, Rick Wright paid for all their expenses. Barnett, you know, think think back to those days now compared to now, it never happened. But yeah, so Eddie was probably my first contact with a first team manager. Um, How old were you when you started training with the first team then? So then I would have got YT, so your apprenticeship, and Eddie would have been manager. Obviously, Gavin would have controlled us but within two months of leaving school I was I was going to make my debut I was just I was 16 so I trained on the Monday I'd been there two months and Eddie was manager the city was struggling and I think I can't remember someone was injured it might have been badly Lee badly but I was 16 so on the Monday do my jobs and Gavin's shot me through. It wasn't like I'll come in my office and say, you've done really well, first team. It was like, right, um, you, you're training, and they train on the Indian Park the day before a game, and we had mm. Exeter in like the auto windscreens the next day. But it just so happened on the Tuesday, the youth team were playing Charlton at the Valley in the Youth Cup, uh, FA Youth Cup, and the City were playing Exeter in the auto windscreens, first team. So I was thinking, well, we must be training, you know, we must be training on the pitch, ready for, for the, the valley. We were playing at the valley, like, you know? Yeah. And um, so I've gone out, and I'm, so, right, go for a jog now. And Eddie hasn't come out at the time, but I'm looking around, and none of the boys are with me. None of my YTs are with me. They, they've all gone. I'm, like, on my own now, and there's a couple of, white, you know, 18-year-old, 19-year-old boys. And I'm like, what, what am I doing here? So Eddie comes out, sets a team. I'm in the team. It's just like, I think it's Phil Stan, Dale up front. And I think, it, I'm not sure, I think it was me and Badly, maybe Derek Brazil, right back, Surly left back. You know, I'm two months out of school. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, what's going on? Anyway, train. Culture shock. Nothing's been said to me. Like, I, I look at kids now. They get y- told 
the well, even like twenty two, twenty three year olds aren't even played for the first team, and but mm -hmm. they're right. Oh, this is what you've done. We'll show you this. This is your playing. I'm there training. No one said a word to me. I'm there, so I train. So Eddie pulls me over at the end. He goes, "Listen." And in those days, it used to be you used to wear a suit away from home. Yeah. I, I didn't even have a suit, you know. Yeah. All I had was a card of schools tie. <laughs> so I'm like, Jesus Christ. So Gavin's pulled me in then. So it was like, say it was 12 o'clock, leave for Exeter and the next day. But we do the flip side of it. We've got Charlton in the Youth Cup. So Gavin's pulled me in. He said, listen, City was struggling at the time. Mm. Um, he goes, bring your suit in, bring your tracksuit in. I'm, you imagine I'm 16, yeah. I'm confused anyway. Don't know what's going on now. So anyway, as, I, as it stands, I'm playing for the first team. And I used to have to get two buses back to Lanishan. So you have to get the City Circle, all the boys. And then I'd get a 79 or 81 back to Lanishan. And then there's a lane to my nan and Gram's house. So I'm on the bus on the way. I'm like, I'm like Jesus Christ, I can't, you know. All I would say is when you're young like that, you don't really, you don't really bother you, it doesn't phase you. No. Like if you said that to me now, oh, 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 yeah. what but when I was there, I didn't, but I just couldn't wait to get down the lane to knock my nan and Gramps' door and say, I'm playing for the first team tomorrow. And I need to get a suit. And I need to get a suit <laughs> somehow, as Gramps or anything that fits me, you know. <laughs> anyway, so I've gone home um, to my mum and dad because they only lived down the road. So like Were I said... Were excited, your parents, when you told them? Again, I can't really... They must have been. They, I think they probably were, but then if, if it was me, I'd be thinking, well, he's 16. Yeah, he he's, I was like well. 12 and a half stone. You know, I've only mm. been to two months out of school. They'd probably shit, what, what, what's happened? Yeah. You know, they'd be excited because they think, well, you know, it's a good achievement. 16 is young, though, isn't it? Six, like, I look back now and, like, honestly, I can't even think I was nervous because I was just, like, buzzing. I was like, oh, I'll get home. Got, I got all my stuff, stuff set up. And then the next day I've gone in. And I don't know if you remember... Um, Terry Orff was part of the takeover. Yeah. So Terry Orff was like, I don't know, head of football. Him and, him and um, Eddie didn't get on. And Mark Easelwood was there at the time. So Mark was a great player, mm. but I think he was in with the consortium and he was with it to at Terry Orff. So I've gone in with my suit um, and my, my, um, my youth team track suit, which I don't know if you remember, we used to call them banana suits. Yeah. They used to, do you remember the influence kit? Our suits were horrendous. They were, we used to have to get on a bus with these. They were mainly blue, but yellow as well. So we used to call them banana suits. Cool. So you couldn't miss us. You know, we had two buses home, fruit Cardiff. Yeah. Everyone was like, what the fuck? Was he wearing? We'd have to put coats on just to try and hide it. So I brought them in, and uh, Terry Roth literally just come up to me and gone, don't know what you've got your suit for. You ain't coming, you're going with the youth team. So. No, but the, in those days. So then we get called into the changing room for a meeting. Every, and when you had a meeting, it was in the old, it was in the old Ninian Park changing room. It'd be all the YTs, all the staff. So literally every seat would be full because they're quite big changing rooms. Mm. And then Terry Yoros walked through the door and goes, listen, Eddie May's been sacked, I'm the manager now. And that's how brutal it was. Yeah. And like Hazelwood sat in the corner. I think he's become assistant manager. Terry Yoros was manager. But basically he just shot me down. Just those that day of excitement. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get that in these days. They wouldn't treat a young player like that, would they? Both ways. You know, I don't think a young player would be lined up to just train and say you're playing. Now it would no, be like, right, we need to sit you down. What's gonna happen? This is who we're playing. This is you've done really well. But you, like I say, I look at boys down the city now. You know, it's changed a little bit. I mean, Bellamy used to say the under 23s was his own club. He 
I think, um, and for people I've spoken to, like parents and mm. like players, and I said like he when he came in to the 23s and the, that's the academy system completely, like everything you think he'd be like as a manager of a Premier League team, say, like he, the standards he'd expect, yeah. the attitude, etc. He just brought it in across the board. Like Craig's a year younger than me all the way through. He can divide mm. opinion. But I felt a bit sorry for him when all that bullying came out. Because to me, I may be wrong, it wasn't bullying. Mm. It was just what he expected. Yeah. And I know that the banter gets thrown around. You know, the stuff we got, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but the stuff I got spoken to when I was a kid, you know, say when I was YT, it's hard for Craig because he went through that as well. So in his head, it's not... It's not bullying to him. It, mm. it was like how we got treated. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but he, all he wanted to do was raise the standards. Yeah, he was doing it for the benefit of the player and the club, but it just maybe... The, the thing is, you didn't see any of the better that. players saying it was bullying. No. It was only yeah, the strong the players. players. Were, and I know that's a, you know, a It goes back to what we were saying there, doesn't it? And I, I did... I know he divides opinion and he's like, you know, he's Marmite and he Craig, but I, in that situation, I did feel sorry for him because... He was only trying to raise the, the standards, and you know, there's no point in Molly calling your kid all the way along if he's mm. if he's not good enough and he's not doing what he wants him to do. Because in two years' time, you're going to go, "Well, Craig, you've said he's done really well." Yeah, he's just being honest. That's it. And, if, and as, to me, as a parent, <coughs> if my kids are like that age, sixteen, seventeen, or or whatever, like if they're going through that system, if they're not good enough, or they're not putting a shift in, or they're not got the right attitude. I want the manager to come speak to me and say, right, look, your boy's good, he's good enough, but his attitude stinks mm. or he's just he's lazy. I want to know that so mm. I can say to him, mate, if you want this, you know, if you want to be a footballer, this is what you're letting yourself down. But some Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Parents, they don't take that, they take it as like a personal dig. Again, you go back to parenting, and the thing that surprised me is one of the parents was an ex-footballer. Mm. And like I said, it wasn't the, the top end of the players that were complaining. Yeah, It was the, the people who were struggling, mm. which, you know, like I said, I, I thought... But yeah, going back to like Terry Orroff and, and Hazelwood, you know, it was pretty much... You, like. You ain't, you ain't come with us. So I ended up going anyway. We ended up youth team. We went to Charlton. Um, mm. And Lee Bowie was playing for Charlton. He's a really good player, Jamie Stewart. He played for Charlton. But the next round, uh, we lost 2-1. We was 1-0. Great experience, 1-0. And then we lost 2-1. But they, the next round, they went and beat Man United because Charlton at the time had a good, really good really youth good system. Academy, so I think Parker, I think Scott Parker, he didn't play my year, but he came through that system. But the London teams were always strong. Because they got massive catchment areas. Yeah. But yeah, so we went from there. So you imagine the 24 hours of the 16 year old in these days going from, I'm playing in the first team. Yeah. The manager yeah, gets sacked. Did you do all right? In yeah, the I did, I, yeah, I did all right. I, like I said, I, I don't think looking back it would have affected me either way. Could have, though, couldn't it? It could massively, but then I probably, it was a year later before I actually made my debut. So I was, I was still only 17. But I don't see much difference in terms mm. of when I was 16 to 17. I'd had a year at the club. 
Um, but I was still only 17 when I made my debut, which is, again, you look at kids now. What sort of wages were they paying? The, like the white, well, my white, yes, was forty pound fifty a week, <coughs> plus a bus pass, <laughs> which a bus pass, believe it or not, was a godsend. Yeah, I was going to say if you because without buses. the well, without the without the bus pass, I mean without the bus pass, you wouldn't have survived. Because mm. I think the bus pass so was forty quid would have been gone, wouldn't it? Well, it was eighty. I think it was eighty quid. You do you have eighty quid cash every mm. three months for your travel. I mean, going back to the academy. The first year I was at the academy, we used to train Tree Forest. And I looked out, and it'd only be the academy up to under 18. So it wouldn't be the 23s, mm. but there'd be under 18s there with private number plates, which the club, I think Craig, Craig might have brought it in, but he said no more private number no. plates. Private, some of them weren't even in a youth team. It's mental, isn't it? But yes, but, but my wage was, it was something like £161 a month we were on. You look back, and we all I, we still have reunions, so we'll have a date on the city where all my mm. my my when I was second year and the first years we all meet up, which is great. It's a great laugh. I mean, like we always have money. Yeah. You know now, like you're earning X amount, and you're like, Jesus, yeah. we're struggling a bit here. Then you had hundred and sixty pound a month, Just and you'd have like right new pair of jeans, new trainers. I mean, your parents would be a big help, but. It, it, I was, but I always say that first year I did YT, it was the, by far the hardest job I, I've ever done and ever will do. But it was the best. High standards expected of you? High standards, but like I said, so you'd be two buses, so from Lanishan, I'd probably leave the house at seven to get in for half eight. So the mm. two buses, the one bus from Lanishan would take me like 40 minutes, then a city circle. Um, then you'd have all your jobs in the morning, so you'd be cleaning boots, um, maybe a little tidy up, sorting kit out. Then you go and train, um, set up all the first team needed. Then you train. You train for two hours. You probably run from the ground to Sapphire Gardens and run back. Mm. So you're talking probably, I don't know, two and a half, three mile there and then three miles back after training. You'd have your dinner, which if you were lucky, the first team players unrifled all your sandwiches. Yeah. Um, then the afternoon then, it'd be jobs again, tidying all the first team stuff, uh, washing the kit. Then we'd do either wait or run again and then you'd finish at four and then you'd clean the whole you know inside of the ground so my first job was hoovering mm. so I was on the Henry the Hoover then we had cleaning the away so everyone would have a different job um, then it'd be about half four or five you might on a Tuesday then have a night game which you'd have to staff you'd be the staff for the game oh, right, yeah. doing the tees you know, um, sorting the referees out. So sometimes you wouldn't get home. You know, it could be 11 o'clock before you get home and you've left the house at seven. Full day's work. And huh? sometimes you'd even have a game yourself, say down in Bashley on a Tuesday night, which is down in Southampton. Mm. So you'd get back at two, three in the morning. So I'd, ne I'd never moan about it, because like I said, it was the best. We all stuck together. It was the best camaraderie we had. It was such a good laugh. There was no real pressure, because it was first year. You weren't expected to do anything. Yeah. It was not because the second year, obviously, that's when they made a decision on you becoming a pro. Um, but I was lucky enough the first year, Kenny, a bit of come in um, in the summer, and I, I was doing, I was flying at the time, and I was a bit gutted because I'd been away for probably four weeks with the Wales under 18s, and I was like dying to get back because mm. Kenny a bit had taken over and he hadn't seen me, and I was like desperate to get back. I knew I was playing well, and then I think he missed a year about me through the grapevine, through Gavin and whatever. And then I come back and played a friendly against Cumbran. Played a friendly, 
um, and then he pulled me straight after the game and said I was uh, I was coming into my second year. He said we want to sign you on two years. So I was like nice. buzzing straight away. But I didn't actually make my debut till uh, October. Did Terry Garth give you your debut or did no? Uh, it was Kenny. It? Yeah. So Terry didn't. <coughs> Terry's pretty much old school, um, and he didn't really give any of the kids a look in. Mm. He seen the year out after Eddie. And I think I think we just about stayed up, and then they brought um, Samish Kumar took the club over, and Kenny was obviously a legend at Wolves, um, and he'd managed Wolves or done a decent job coming. And I really, Kenny was really good, really nice guy. I learnt a lot from him. But yeah, so I made my debut then 17 in the October, and then I literally from the October till the May I didn't miss a game, right the way through. 17, 18. Yeah, so 17 when it I was made. not as common as it is now, was it, for like a 17, 18 year old to be in the first team? It's, it's very rare now, and I think, <coughs> I think you look at 18, 19, 17, 18 year olds now, they weren't like. I'm, I'm probably about 18 stone now. Mm. My playing weight then was 12 stone 10. I mean, I look at Isaac and Ruben, they look like fully grown men. Yeah. And I sometimes think when I look Athletes, back. Isn't they? Yeah, how I. I was always a good footballer. I, I don't know, because it was in the third division as well. I look back and I don't know how I cope physically because 12 stone 10 is nothing. Mm. And it was me and Scott Young, the two centre-backs at the time. So I was 17, Young, he was 19. So we were the two centre-backs and we're going up against, in those days, everything. It was, no one played any football. It was just yeah. long ball. And I think back and I just don't know. Young, he was decent in the air and I wasn't great in the air for my size. And I was only, like I said, like 12 stone 10. I just don't know how we... Managed to get through it against yeah. those like six foot four, seven foot six foot four, seventeen stone belt, like. battering you. I don't know whether I got out of the way a little bit and just and like and like. just dropped off. I don't mm. know. Like we had Lee Badley, who was decent in the air, so we'd come in now and again. But like I said, I didn't miss a game from the October to the the the, the May, which was seventeen through to eighteen. You know, eighteen. Any of those players, like it was when you came into the first team. Did any of those players kind of take you under their wing or try and give you a bit of a helping hand to set them no, or was it more like you're in here now do it yeah again when you look back um like surely played left back and i would have played on the left or i was right footed um it was a tough one because like i said i'd two years before i'd been on the bob bank yeah and it's mad when you're a kid i the only thing i'd say when you're a kid you haven't got no fear mm. you come in and it's you pretty much you haven't got time to think about it and you think because you haven't known anything and you haven't, you know, had the pressure or made mistakes or been in a team that's struggling, you just come in and play. And I think that's what just got me through the first year because I didn't really, looking back now, I didn't think about it. You yeah. know, I play in, decent, in front of decent crowds at Indian Park, but I didn't really, it wasn't, it's no pressure. I mean, they, you know, looking back, I think it was me, Scott Young and Carl Dale. You know, it was loads of media at the time that basically we were just holding the team together. Mm. And when you think about it, you know, me and Youngie are 17 and 19. It's a big and ask, isn't Daly's it? Daly's nicking a couple of goals and we're trying to keep them out the other end. It wouldn't happen now. No. I don't think as many teams you'd see now with a 17 and a 19 year old, you know, centre backs. Being that dependable and that, but like, dependable. Yeah, because I don't think we missed a game from the from then to the end season. And we still had, you know, again, you had Jason Perry, who's a club legend, breathing. Mm. You know, breathing down our necks. You had Lee Badley, who was a decent Derek Brazil. Mad, didn't it, though? I, like, you guys were keeping out Jason Perry. I think when Kenny came in, not to some bad to pairs, I think he was very much the, the old school centre back where he'd win headers, he and Tenacious, the crowd loved him. Mm. I think Kenny saw us, you know, we could 
play a little bit. That's no disrespect to Pez. Yeah. I don't think, you know, Pez was his type of player where Eddie, you know, probably the first name on his team sheet would be Pe Jason Perry. Yeah. But I think with Kenny, it was like, mm, we've got to move away from this a little bit, whether it's right or wrong. But like, things went, you know, things went really well for you yeah. at Cardiff and you were linked, like, to a... I remember, I remember you being linked to, like, Premier League clubs. Yeah. Why did it... Why did that never kind of come to fruition? Was that a club didn't want to sell you? You didn't want to go? I, th I think, again, a lot changed. Like, afterwards, I was told, I think it was maybe Tottenham Palace, and believe it or not, Bristol City, they put definite bids in, but I was never told about, like, Kumar at the time, you know, obviously a businessman, wanted to really cash in on me. And mm. I thought, I think he thought if I had another year, they would have got more for me. But the problem you get with, like I said, about the youngsters, I think the second year syndrome come in <clears throat> and then sort of, I started off because Russell Osman had taken over then, who I played with. Russell had come the last sort of two months of that season to play. And to be fair, he was 38, 39. He still, I still say he's the best player I've played with. Yeah? Yeah, he was unbelievable. But he took over as manager. So it would be, at the back then, it would be Russell in the middle, me and Young either side of him, and he, he sort of helped us. But then when he came in, I think he wanted more and more out of me. And I sort of, my form dipped second season. And then I probably played about 25 games a second season before Frank came in the end of that year. What um, was he like, Frank Burrows? Brilliant. I felt, you know, I had the biggest fallings out as a manager with him. But as a manager, I'd never knock him because mm. he, I think as a manager, he's probably one of the best I played. He, he, he released me. But, you know, in terms of what he tried to get out of us, looking back now, I probably didn't take heed of what he was trying to do. I took him more as a punishment. Mm. You know, he'd have us doing sprint training in the summer. You've got to buy a pair of spikes. Now, the summer for us was, right, two weeks on holiday with the boys. Yeah. Every other day we're in town. You know, he wanted you to train. He was like, so we took it as a punishment, so we'd do sprint training on a Tuesday and Thursday over Leckworth. And if I look back now, he's trying to help now, trying to make us better. Mm. We were like, so there's seven of us now, the youth team, you know, the, uh, the so-called younger boys, 18, 19, 17, Christian Roberts, Lee Phillips, me, Di Thomas, Youngie. Like, why, the f why are we doing this? You know, mm. why? everyone else is off. So what we do then, we run, we do the sprint session in the morning, and then we go to Brannigan's in town because mm -hmm. we're like sitting there going, he thinks he's punishing us, we're out now. We do that. And you're looking back now, you're like, how stupid could you be? Because mm. he's only trying to help us. Get you along, get, get, get you back to that fork. Do you reckon as well? <coughs> sorry. The, um, so you know you said you had like the second season sy syndrome. Mm. Do you think as well, like you say, when you're young, you just don't play with no fear. Mm. But I think as you get older, you can get a bit more in your in your own head as 100%. well. So like in that second season where things aren't going, mm. you know, as they as well as they had been, do you feel like you've got it in your head a bit more than perhaps you yeah, had previously? Yeah. Definitely with that, because in the first year, like I said, you've got no fear, and even if you make a mistake, you're not really that worried about it because the crowd is still like, oh, you know, he's seventeen, oh, look at him. yeah, he's done. But then when you make a mistake that maybe leads to something, you're like, shit. Oh. And then all of a sudden you can hear the crowd. That's when you need like the help they've got now in terms of psychologists yeah. and stuff. That's when you go, oh, don't worry, you know, go back go back to last year. Let's, let's go forward again. I think it definitely... And the other thing I found really difficult, Surly left that summer 
and I think I was the only Cardiff boy playing. So again, just being in and around the city, even at the time, I, I am passed my driving test. So I'm still, no, I'm first team player, I'm getting two buses. Don't get me wrong, my parents have picked me up now and again yeah. after a game or if they come to a game. But more often than not, I was getting, because my parents were working, I was still getting, unless I could get a lift off one of the bus, I was still getting two buses. I'm a Cardiff City first team player. So I'd get on the bus on a Monday, and you'd see in those days, it's different now, you'd have, you know, you'd look at the bus and it's full, and it'd be like 12 echoes like that. And your name's on the back, or and it straight away be like, what happened Saturday? And I'm like, mm. in 17. Do you need to be dealing with that? I go to town, you know, to me it should have been, like Daly was 30 at the time, but he lived out in Newport. I was the only person, I think, because Surly had left, and Surly had had a bit of stiff before he left as well. Mm. He'd had a bit of shit off the fans. But like everything seemed to be aimed at me, and I think what didn't help is obviously the media I had at the time. You know, near enough, I'd probably say, I don't know, once a week, I was on the back page, the mm. whole back page. Yeah. Lee's going. Or, so we, the City fans are like pinning their hopes on a 17-year-old to get him out of the shit. Local boy as well. And, and in the background, all the time, the club are trying to shift me on. And So as soon as anyone seen me, you know, it wasn't like I was 27 where I go, what are you on about? Yeah. I was 17, I was like, oh, what, what yeah. do you mean? Well, what's happening? We lost Saturday. What, what, what were you doing? What? I'm like, shit. To a point then... You don't have to deal with it, do you? No, and to a point, you're like, I don't want to see any, you know. You yeah, you don't want to see people out and about and that. Yeah, you know, even going to town on a Saturday night, you might have a win and you'd be still be like, oh, and, and people would pick up and, oh, I seen when you made... I'm like, yeah, but, you, you know, we say we won 2-1 or something, it wouldn't be like, oh, Lee, it'd be like, yeah. oh, you could do it. And he was, you know, looking back again. At the time, I was like, oh, what do you want about like? I probably didn't handle it the best, but if you add all that it's into the mix... a lot of new stuff to deal with, though, isn't it, as a 17-year-old? Like, how do you deal with it? You're not prepared for it, and no. I wasn't... Like, I love... Kenny was brilliant for me as a manager, but I look back now and I just didn't have the right... I, I, I'm not passing the blame on anyone, but I don't think I had the right guidance. And mm. I honestly think we had a group of players seven to ten of us who were all good players from say 17 through to 21 I honestly think and I see, I've seen Gavin take a couple of times since I've done jobs for him and I, I honestly think if he'd taken us under his wing you know from youth team to then could have been a big generation ma oh, massive even if he'd been assistant manager and he'd kept all the things we were doing with him mm. because I went from like I said to you earlier so I trained on a Monday twice Train on Tuesday twice, train on a Wednesday morning because the reserves would play. Thursday twice, uh, we'd have college on a Thursday, sorry. Friday we trained twice. Then I got on the first team. I trained on a Monday for an hour and a half, went home. Tuesday you wouldn't train because you'd have a game in the night. Wednesday you'd have off. Thursday I'd have college because I was still 17. Friday you'd train for an hour and a half. So I'd probably gone from maybe 12, 14 hours training to three. A lot of big difference, isn't it? Big difference. And I honestly think if he'd taken sort of an assistant manager's role or a 23's job as it was as it is now, yeah, he could have. You wouldn't. You have, those boys would have. I mean, out of all of us, I think it was only really Howarth who got a move to Coventry. I think apart from that, Young, he had a decent career, obviously at Cardiff. Apart from Christian Roberts had an okay, you know, a decent career at Bristol City. Fizzled out a bit. Didn't we it? all f we all fizzled up because I don't think there's a continuation of working your n nuts off in the youth team to then go to first team, going, 
plus you throw the money in. Yeah. Not that we were on great money. We were always treated. It wasn't until Frank came in that we were we weren't looked after at all. As, mm. We were on a set. It was a hundred pound a week as a first year pro. That was it. No one had any different. I was lucky because I played. I had a bit of Phil Neal come in and manager. Second year, my dad said, "Well, we want to rise." You know, he's played every game. He's on hundred pound a week. Yeah, yeah. And you've got like daily and whatever on a grand a week. Yeah. It doesn't add up. So I got a. I, I think I went up to two fifty, which still wasn't, still peanuts in those. It wasn't to me because I was only but eighteen. In terms of football, it is. Well, from it? what but I was getting paid, like badly was there. He's probably on three times as much as me, and I'm mm. playing every week. Yeah, this. Uh... But because we come through the system, well, first year only gets hundred pound. Well, you're not you're not winning up to what they're giving the club. Yeah. And they'd sort of bully you then, you know, I didn't have an agent. Take advantage. They'd be like, well, if you don't want it, you, you yeah, go yeah. then. And you're like, well, I, I don't want to leave. I yeah. But you could, at the time, looking back, again, I could have probably called it bluff and got a move, but it wasn't like it is now. You know, if your contract was up, they'd still, teams would still have to pay for you. The yeah. tribunal system, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. So it wasn't as easy as just, not that I wanted to, you know, Card is my hometown club, it was a club I supported, I didn't want to leave. But we weren't treated... Financially, we weren't treated great. How did you leaving come about? Like, did you um, <coughs> were you ready to go? Like, when you when you finally left, I've door? been into Frank loads of times because it. Uh, it sorry, I was just going to say you said you fell out with Frank Burrows quite a lot. I was going to ask you about that. Like, how did yeah, so uh, what was that sort of about? It was, when Frank first came in, Russell had left, and I was in and out of the team. And then again, as happens when you're a young player, you need a little bit of luck. And I think someone was injured, and Frank put me in. But obviously he'd seen me train and he'd probably heard because I'd played like, I'd captained the 21s for like the three years before that. And he pulled me in and he said, you know, he was like, you've got ability, but there's stuff you need to work on, which I'd never been told before. And by this time, like, I'm 19. Mm. I've just turned 19 and he's come in or around that age. I was, still, I was still young, you know, I'm 19 now, but I'm talking like two years of football I've had. And uh, he said, look, I know you've got ability, you need to work on this, this and this, which is what I need to be told two years ago. Yeah. And I was like, great. So he pushed me in the team again. Um, I think I played the last 22 games under him. And then four games to go, we had a player, David Penny, come from Swansea, and we were playing Scarborough away. So I was playing really well, Frank was happy with me. And then he pulls me, we go to Scarborough, and now... We go to Scarborough, we play on a Friday night, and we travel up on a day. Wow, that's distance. <laughs> now they'd have a week up there, yeah. you know, on the, you know, train it, but anyway, you know, they have a day before or whatever. So we travel up, and just as we get it, it's pissing down, rain, freezing cold. Frank pulls me, and I'm thinking, he, he's going to drop me here, because it's like, fucking conditions are terrible, the pitch is shit. She pulls me outside, he goes, you're captain. Mm. And I was like, eh? And I was in the most, I captained Wales under 21s like for three years, like I said, from like 18 or well, 17 up, mm. or two years. Um, I was like, shit. Like that, and to be fair, look back, I captained Wales, you know, I got on the Wales squads, but that was probably the highlight of my captain in Cardiff at 19. But I'd gone back in the change room then, so we're in the change room, and Frank's done the team, and he goes, just to let you know, um, Lee Jam's captain tonight, and a couple of the older pros, I was really, was really pissed off because a couple of the older pros, I'd laugh, because I wasn't vocal on him, but yeah. Frank looked at me, he didn't want me, he probably thought, oh, well, they'll bring him out a little bit, and I can lead by the way I play, not 
by shouting yeah. at all the pros and whatever. So that pissed me off a bit because, again, the older pros were like, oh, brilliant, great. Yeah, well done. It was like, what's he captain for? You know, so it was a little bit of bit. Should have been like, well done. Uh, big it thing made you, me feel it? real, really awkward. It was and nineteen again, um, and we ended up losing three 0 I, I didn't play the, I didn't have the greatest game, and, I, and like on the coach on the way home, I can remember just thinking, but you know, what a bunch of twats. Like, mm. You think your teammates have got your back, and yeah. it was like straight away I was on the back foot. But to be fair to Frank, I think the next four games, then I captained the team till the end of the season. So I was like, oh great, and Frank had stuck with me. Said I need to stuff to work on, but I really liked him. He was straight, you know, he was honest, and I knew he'd, he'd make me a better player. He'd just come from West Ham. Mm. She so said, um, Right, I need to see you um, on a Monday. And again, I didn't have an agent or anything, so I was, he said, I want to speak to you about contracts. I was like, Oh, happy days. And at the time, like I said, money wise, I was probably on for like 250. So my I was out of contract, so my dad was like, We were in like, you know, I could go either way. You've captained the team, but Frank might not know what I knew. Or, but I was in a good position and I was pretty relaxed about it. So I said to my old man, you know, well, you know, at the time agents weren't even spoke about. Um, so he's, I said to my old man, oh, look, would you go and speak to him? Because it's an awkward, you know, you're yeah, 19. Hard, isn't it? So anyway, my old man's gone in and he's going, well, what are we going to ask for? And I said, look, you know, my own time, as long as I get a bit of a rise, I'm not really worried. I'm playing football. And at the time, I was I was doing well, and obviously captain the team. My dad said, "Well, look, you go, just have a two year. We'll just go for two years because it'll keep you fresh." You know, Frank Frank did turn around and say, "Listen, when my dad went in, he goes, you can sign as many years as you want." And my dad said, "We only want two years." He goes, "Fine." He goes, "You can have four. You can have five. Whatever you want." He started to run things properly off the field, mm. and he turned around and said, "Didn't even have to argue about money. He's gone from two fifty. He's gone five fifty. Signing on fees." My dad's come out, I'm skipping. My dad said, right, two years, this. I'm like, that many? Like, yeah. over double my wages. Yeah. I'm like, oh, happy day, sir. Gone away that summer, gone away for a couple of weeks, you know, come back. Then it was the maddest thing. Come back, started training, just didn't, literally didn't speak to me. Frank didn't, and I was like, fucking hell. And Billy Ayers is just now, I really look, like, both of them have died now, but Billy was a top guy as well. Mm. So we've gone to Keel. Uh, in Stoke, played friendlies. As they do, chop and change the team. He's brought like an experienced guy in from Scotland, Graham Mitchell. I'm thinking, playing me in the middle, to either side. Still hasn't spoke to me. This is like two weeks, three weeks. Bought Delaney from Carmarthen. That's weird, doesn't it? Like, I'm like, so anyway, after making you captain and giving you a the maddest thing. That. And I, to be honest, I went all pre-season, and I'm thinking he's other. You know, at the time I was, I was too young to probably realise, but. I wasn't thinking he's playing games. I'm like, oh, I'm playing first game. He brought Mike Ford in. But not to, no disrespect to them. Ford, he was a good player, but he was 35, 36. Mm. I'm like, fucking badly. You know, Jeff Eckard, Mitchell, Russell Perrett he brought in. She's like a youngie. She's like six centre-backs now, and I'm thinking, who's going to play with me sort of thing? Because... Yeah. Because you've just been given a new contract, captain. Yeah, and even like in training, not being big-headed, because I'm, I'm not that type of person. But like I was, I, I in my head I was better than all of them. Yeah, they all had different attributes. Like Jeff was great in the air, aggressive. But like football-wise, what Frank wanted, I was like, well, none of them can, none of them can play as well as me. And mm. I'm captain last year, new contract. I've never. So we played Hartlepool away. It was the day Ernie scored the overhead kick. What a day! And a, a funny story. But Ernie was my poop boy. So whenever I see him now, I say, used to give the poop boys a tip. Ernie was my poop boy, and I'm like, Ernie, got fifty quid. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you have a laugh, boy. But 
On the Friday, the team sheet goes up. And honestly, I've never been so shocked in football in all my life. Mm. So the team sheet goes up and it's 16 names or whatever. I'm not on there. At all? Nothing, not even in the squad. So, like, I'm, like, still only 19 now. And I'm, like, fucking hell. I've, so I, I walk outside the ground and ring my old man. I said, I'm not on the squad tomorrow. I, I don't know whether I should have seen it coming or not because he brought these centre-backs in. But I've gone from captain for the last four games. I, I'm not sure. I'm one of the youngest captains at, at Cardiff ever. Then a two-year contract. Now, in my head, I'm thinking, well, if you didn't want me, why the fuck you give me a con? You know, why have you given me a contract for two years? I, mm. So I've gone outside, run my old man. Um, I said, Dad, I'm not in the squad. He goes, what are you on about? I go, I'm not in the squad tomorrow. He goes, you might. He said, go back in, see him, and... Right now. Like, yeah, so this is like an hour after training. I'm still frazzled, so I'm outside. So I've gone back, and there's, there's no one about. So I'm like, mm. so I've had to just suck it up. And I'm like, the weirdest thing, because I've been it. I've done a couple of times when I haven't been in the squad, but like I'm sat there on the first day of the season, I don't know what I did, I think I was in the house. And it's like, Earnshaw's equalised. And I'm like, this is surreal. And then literally for, I don't remember exactly, but probably for three months, didn't speak to me for three months. Then he, then we had a game, um, Halifax away, on a Friday night, and Horse, remember Jeff Horsfield? Yeah. He was playing. we just signed Di Thomas, I think. And someone was injured, and I, he hadn't spoken to me for three, four months, and just brought me back in. And I was like, this is like bizarre, like this is mad. Mm. I'm going from one extreme to the other. I come Nothing back here, yeah, we yeah. won 2-1, and I, I'd done all right, but we'd won 2-1. And I think on the Tuesday then, we played, and he left me out on the Tuesday after we'd won. I just, so in the end, like, like Frank was quite a like, fearsome character as well, he didn't take mm. no shit. And being a young boy, we'd always used to say, oh, go in, go knock his door, knock his door, because it'd be a laugh, because you you know, yeah. oh, I've knocked his door, I've said this. And again, I, for how straight Frank was, I think I probably knocked his door in that total time over that six months period, probably six times, because I was just getting so frustrated. I was young. I said, well, what have I got, what am I? He go, and I'd go in, and I'd come out of there feeling a million dollars, and I'd mm. be like... He goes, you're training well, you're doing well, you're fit, look at you, you're doing it. And I'm like, yes, Frank, yes, Frank. I come skipping out the door, and I'm like, I'm not fucking playing, though. Yeah. What, what? And that went on for, like, six months. Did and you get to the bottom of why he stopped speaking no, to you? No. I, th I honestly think, I don't know whether it was sort of an attitude thing, so going back to the sprint training and stuff, I don't know whether he got wind then, because it got to a stage then, on a Friday, I was so, like, low. On a Friday, I'd be like hoping my name wasn't on the sheet because mm. I'd be going out all weekend. Going into a different habit of I got instead in, of preparing for a game, you have the weekend off. So, my, so my like whole week was built around not playing on Saturday. Mm. You'd have the odd Wednesday reserve game, which was never the same. And at the time, my attitude—I wasn't a type of player, and I don't think I was a type of person to go right Wednesday. I'm going to show him now. I'm going to win every other because that wasn't me. I, I was. You know, I got the I got the ball played. You know, got it off the keeper. It wasn't about like showing. Oh, this is how much I, I, I that, yeah. that wasn't me. Although inside, I wanted a, you know I wanted yeah, to play, but in a different way. So then, as I said, I got into a habit then. So even if we had a Friday night game at home, I'd have stuff in the car ready. We'd watch after watch the game. I'd get I'd get changed in the car park over the road, and I go home, and I go out on a Saturday. And then Monday would come, start training, go through the same cycle again. 
now and again, like we'd be in the squad, and and this my son is so he'd take me to like say Rochdale away on a Saturday. So I'd go up on a Friday. There'd be 16 in the squad, but only 14 were named or whatever. So it'd be two. So there's me and this other kid. We'd be left out. Mm. We'd we drink in the bar while the game's going on. It's mad, isn't it? But do you think right? <coughs> That, that, that those habits and uh, which you've developed there about like going out and then starting to not want to be in the squad, that's all come about because of the way he's isolated you after you were on a high. He, like, if he'd communicated to you whatever the reason was, you can either work hard yeah. and try and improve that thing. Um, if you've done something, you can kind of apologise, try and move past it. Or if he just doesn't want you anymore for whatever reason, then you can go and find another football club. Uh, yeah, I think the hardest thing was, you know, as a young player again, like I'm, by this time I'm probably 20, mm. I've been given a new contract as long as I wanted. I've been made captain and then I've just been dropped like a... For no reason. like For no reason. No. And I go and speak to him and he'd be like, you know, even down to we used to wear tracks with bottoms in training and Billy came to the one time and I just laughed in his face because Billy was a tough guy. And Billy, the one day, it was like boiling off, so I'd taken the bottoms off and trained. Billy's come up to me, and I honestly thought, like, I've got like a dry sense of humour, and I thought it was a piss take. He goes, he's noticed you've taken your tracks with bottoms off. I was like, I, I was dying to say, you've got to be taking a piss. <laughs> you've got to be taking a, I've taken my tracks with bottoms off, so I'm going to play. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I played like seven, eight games that year. Um, but again, I still, had, I still had a year left on my contract. Um... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But yeah, even like going out on loan and stuff, I was like, Frank, I need to, I want to play like. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but you got a chance. And like looking back, I just, you, you, you imagine it's such a... I feel like he strung you along a little bit. A little bit, but I don't know why, because out of all the minds I played for, he's probably the straightest mm. talker. I, I wondered... When I, because I was like, I was reading about like your last little period mm. with the club. I wondered whether he had been told by the owner that you know they wanted to cash in on you. But, but then, then, even then, you're better off playing, aren't you? To get better off playing, and like, if you wanted to do that, do it like when they so guess sign me on a contract, then sell me. Yeah. They brought all these older players in who, in my opinion, weren't as good as me, and I'm not being big-headed. Mm. They weren't, you know. When I say, I I said that to him. Um. And then the funny thing is, I'd go, I'd still get begin pick for the under twenty ones as captain, which again, like thinking back now, is such a confusing time, because then I, I, I tend to play my best football with the international team because yeah. it was a, it was my type of game, so I'd go away there, and then I'd have like Bobby Gold or Mark Hughes going bloody hell, how are you playing? Mm. I'm like, I don't know, like because I go with them and I, you know, be impressed, be really right? play really well because it was my type of game. And they come to me, and then it probably, you know, hit me a bit more then, because I'm like, well, yeah, why aren't I playing, you know? I'm, but looking back, I, I don't think, I, I, going back to the Gavin Tate thing, I think if we'd had that little bit of crossover, I think Gavin would have been probably, he would have got into me a little bit. 
but it wasn't. I don't know where he'd left by that time, but it wasn't really his remit to step on the manager's toes. I think yeah. Frank might have turned around and said, well, what's what it got to do with you? Yeah. But I think Gavin would have turned around and said, listen, you know, because at the time I think it must have got around Cardiff, you know, the amount I was probably going out. Because weekends, I had no, there was nothing, nothing to do. I'd have a Wednesday game now and again. Your routine changed. I got used to it and I got, I got you know, I got in the mindset of like, pfft, being young, oh, I'm having a laugh at Frank here because I'm going out. Yeah, yeah. But my, my job was a footballer. Mm. And also, I suppose, as you're going up through the system and that, your, um, your routine is all about becoming a professional footballer and, and getting in the first team and that. And once that routine changed, you sacrificed a lot to become a footballer. Like, your mates are all going out on the press, but you're going to training or you're doing yeah. your jobs and that. So then, when that routine suddenly changes and you're available to go out with your mates and that, it's difficult, to, I would imagine, to click that back into like, yeah, and I th you know, the I mode think of Especially with footballers, it. once they're you know, into a mode of doing something, it's very rare you see a footballer that now and again that can change out of a cycle. Yeah. Because probably the ones you've met, whether it's scoring goals, whether it's you know, doing a certain thing on a Friday, they're very religious in terms of things. I'm not saying religiously going out, but yeah. my thing was, my release was, right, what am I, other than that, what am I going to do? Just sit in, am I going to sit in the house on a Saturday afternoon, what, you know, listening to the city? That's mm. semi even worse. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not making, playing, yeah, and I'm not making excuses on that, but a footballer's job is to play on a Saturday. Mm. When you're not playing on a Saturday, and the frustrating part for me was, I train all week with these boys, and you know, I do things in training, Frank goes, you know, Frank would be like, that's unbelievable. And I'd be like, buzzing, but then... Play me then. Well, why aren't I playing? It's weird, like, when I um, introduced you at the start, I said, like, once described as the best footballer at Cardiff City Football Club, that was Frank Burrows who said mm. that. I think Ke Kenny said it as well. Mm. And I understood what he said, because Kenny, as I said, I used to get a bit of stick because obviously I was a Cardiff boy, I was young, and, and all their hopes were pinned on me. I think Kenny's way of protecting me was, his way of saying the best footballer, not necessarily I wasn't the best in the air, I wasn't the best defender, but football-wise, he knew I was, you know, and I'm not being big-headed, I probably was, mm. you know, in that era, in, within that era, but when I didn't get a chance to, the times I did play for Frank, I did, you know, I did really mm -hmm. well, but it was just short, and in the end, he tried, I remember one match, he tried getting me on look, to, which again, I look back, and I made him, Howard Kendall was manager of a team in Greece and at the time the Greece sides were having loads of trouble they, they'd bring foreigners over and they weren't paying them and they were, the fans were going nuts about it so Frank's called me in the office um, and it was, we were going on a weekend with a club to Southampton to play golf and a, basically a piss up mm. so we were going on a Friday he's called me in on a Thursday and gone um, oh someone's coming on loan for you knowing like Again, I look back now and think I should have just gone. And uh, knowing we were all going, the whole club, all my mates were going away on the, the Friday. So I said, oh, let me go and speak to my parents about it. And I had a missus at the time. And um, so I rang him back on the Thursday night and I said, yeah, I'll go. I said, can I go over for the weekend to see what it's like? No, he said, I need to know now. You know, again, I'm still 19, 20, yeah. going to another country. I sort of knew how a Kendall was, but then looking back, I should have just gone. Do you know what? For two two months of the season, I should have just gone. 
learnt, oh, you know, Howard Kendall wanted me as well. Yeah. And for someone like him, I should have just gone and just had two months, even if I was bloody staying with him and learning off him. And it would have been, I think it would have been good because it would have been two months out of that environment of where I just got on a bad cycle then of, like I said, praying on a Friday, I'm not in the squad, which mm. I like, look at that. And, <coughs> you know, it's so, you know, looking at, as I get older, it's so sad, it? it's sad and it's disrespectful. It's not not to, so much the club, like to my family as well. Mm. For me to have that attitude of going, oh, I don't want, I don't want to be in the squad because I want to, I but don't want to know about it. It was about, it was the circumstances which created that. Oh, massive, the, you know, and it just wasn't a one-off circumstance. It was a build-up yeah. of highs and lows and highs and lows, which as a young. As a young man, you don't re you can't really you, you you find it hard to control because mm. you've got one way or the other as a youngster. I mean, you just like oh, yeah. this is right or that's right. There's no in between. There's no like, listen, don't go out this weekend. We'll train because I would have took it as a punishment. Yeah, yeah. It, rather than trying to get yeah. your head down. And, and I think if Gavin Tate was there, having known me from a kid, he would have probably said, listen, get your ass in gear. We're getting you back in the team, mm. and that should have been my sole focus. Because I didn't have that communication or dialogue and I was getting so many mixed messages. Getting frustrated. And in my head in training I'm still fly I'm still doing I'm still better than the players they've got. And they, they, I mean they got promoted that season, so like Frank's argument would have been well, I think I because yeah. even then I think I only played that season, we went up. I think I only played like six or seven games. So the double whammy that is like I didn't get a medal. I think I had a bonus for going up, which mm. I didn't get because I had to play so many games. Yeah, okay. So yeah, even I remember the last day Frank was in the grandstand and his pictures it came out the other week and I'm right by Frank because it's not the same when you're not involved. So we were sat then and you should be happy for the club when I supported him, but I'd gone through such shit with him that year. I was like, we were all of the bomb squad used to call him who didn't play. We were sat there like, and then all the first team players are champagne, come on, cheer up, and you're like, mm. we're not part of it. Yeah. And then we end up going in the grandstand and it like the crowds on the pitch. Frank's got something, and it just so happens I'm next to him. Mm. So all the boys are like, oh, celebrate. I'm like, no, I won't celebrate him. Yeah, Which just sounds terrible. You don't feel part of it, do you? No, you're not part of it. And like I said, I'd had so many mixed messages that year. But like, going back to the most thing that hurts me is like, probably I let my family down a little bit. Because, you know, I don't really, not that I didn't care about the club or Frank or anything, but then for them to put all the effort into me, and they used to come and watch me play. To just for, sort of give it away that easy, yeah, you know, but you know I'm not making excuses. There were you know other circumstances which, looking back, if you don't have that help psychologically, it's very hard as a young person to yeah. get through it. But like, time's flown by with us talking about it. I gotta be honest, it's yeah, like uh, really gone quick. But um, just to kind of wrap us up a bit, um, would you say that's your biggest regret? The way you kind of fizzled out a little bit of yeah like uh, 100% not really because you anything on the pitch it was more yeah, a mixture of the circumstances a mix of everything you know but a, a big thing I think I know loads of footballers and it's like I, I don't have no regrets or people in general you have regrets every Everyone's day regrets, I, I had regrets you know this morning not getting up it, how people it's the most narrow minded view saying I've got no regrets because if I could go back and change it I would but yeah. you can't yeah, so who would you say um, the best footballer you've ever played with? I still say like Russell Osman. Like a lot of people won't know him because he was twenty years old when we want to play, but he played sixteen times for England. Mm. 
But I, I was lucky enough with the Wales squads. I trained, I trained with Ryan Giggs, and like that's the fastest thing I've ever seen on a football pitch. Footwork. In terms of from there to there, like three yards, I, it was like astounding how quick he was. Um, and even in the twenty ones, I was lucky enough to play against Pirlo. But Pirlo played up front then, believe it or not. So we lost two one to Italy. And a funny story, he missed two penalties. Yeah. yeah, he missed two penalties in the same game. So we lost two one. We would have lost four one. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's the best player I've played against, but he's gone on to have the best. Yeah, he was. Um, he developed late. Oh. I think he developed quite late, wasn't he? Like in his early twenties, he wasn't like the. No, he, Worldwide superstar, but then by the time he got to like his 27, 28, 29, he was a little bit like Scholes because Scholes started as an attacking midfielder, and then mm. as he went back and back, he became more the playmaker. But like I said, when I played, there was a guy up front. They he'd been signed for Palace called Ventola, yeah. seven point five million. He never did anything, and it was him and Pirlo up front. So he played up front. Pirlo played just off him, but he, he you know he went on to have an unbelievable career but i wouldn't have said i want to played against him mm. he wasn't there who was um who was faster bellamy or Giggs? to the naked eye like i think i played against craig since i was like 9 10 i'd probably say craig but but Giggs in terms of i just liked him to it like he was a little fly it was like he was there and it was like and I, as a lot of that is like knowing what you're going to do before it happens, because mm. he'd be in the position or on the ball or nowhere to take the ball before. I think for raw pace, just running over the top, probably Benemy's quicker. But you know, in terms of just movements, Giggs was like the fastest thing. I've, it was a tough one to keep mm. up with. Um, who's the biggest prick you've met in football over the years? Oh God, that's a tough one. Sorry, it's, it's my favourite question because. Some people will be like, oh, I don't answer. Some people will be like, that person. Yeah, away. I think the problem with it is so many. Yeah, I think well. I don't think you can pinpoint one. And, you know, I and I I I, I wouldn't want to say anyone. But somebody said to me at the start of my career, he said, you know, again being young, you're like everyone's my mate. Everyone, yeah, yeah. He comes out with me. He said, if you come out of football with three friends, done well. And you think how many. People you people get you meet with and speak to, yeah, and he's right because I used to only spoke to Youngie this morning. He's still a mate. Uh, he's trying to sort of out now, me. isn't he? Yeah, I can't believe it. It's crazy. Um, he's coming in actually soon. Is he? Lee yeah. Phillips, my best, my best mate, and then Tom Ramos, who's assistant manager at Cardiff. Now he's a, you know, one of my best mates as well. I still got mates I speak to, you know. Now and again, if you see him or now and again. Yeah, from where I played. Uh, genuine friends. Yeah, and I probably got more friends from when I went non-league. Because mm. I think the boys are a little bit more together, so, you so. know. I'm coaching at Penabont now, so two of two of the boys there, good friends of mine, Reese Griffiths and, and Martin Giles. But most of my best friends and the people I have a laugh with are, mm. are people I met in non-league and part time. Because um, yeah, you had you done a stint at Barry as well, didn't you? Barry two years, and that was full time. That was they were great times. Um, but yeah, again, you know, it's another story. Just mm. how clubs are run and stuff, but. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. We'll have to get you in again, mate, and we'll have a chat yeah, about could, um, the um, other side of it, like the how, the like the. I'd like to talk to you about like Barry and some other stuff, but it's just like I said, the time flew by. Well, the, the other thing, I, I, if you could help me on it, what mm. I want to try and do, I'm trying to get into like an. Do you know St Peter's Hall on City Road? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get some events going on. There. So the one idea I've got, I really want to get going. Which, if you could fit me in, or we could do something. I'm trying to get the you know, so-called class of 92, 93, so Blakey, maybe Carl Dale, Roger Gibbons, and I want to do a night, I'm going to do a night in there 
from that year. Because the one mad thing I don't get at the moment with the City is, the City have never had it so good. Been in the Premier League twice, yeah. been in a Championship. I go down there. And the crowds It's shit. There's nothing terrible. like in the Echo. If I walked on the street now, no one would go, what? we got so-and-so, so the weekend. Got to mm. go down, got to... Everyone's like, oh, who we Everyone's got? Everyone's very apathetic to it all, isn't but, they? But like the champ, you know, we were third division. You know, and it was beautiful. These, these everyone loved Everyone was talking about it. And, and a funny thing, someone said a couple of years ago, it was like a lower league team. They said, well, we don't want to be in it, like, say, Barnsley or something. We don't want to be in it. We don't want to be in the Premier. Mm. We want to go to all the little shitty grounds. Yeah. Which is a, a football fan mentality, isn't it, when you're not a, one of the big clubs? Yeah. It's the, it's the solidarity of, like, especially, like, going to away games and when there's, like, a smaller group of you, but you could all it's go every week. And you're up, like, yeah, yeah, it's not the outsiders coming in and, like, like we get tickets for the hospitality and I go up there. Literally 10 minutes, I'm in the bar, I was just going to the bar then. I yeah. can't sit up there. Well, you get a lot of people in them who don't even watch football, and it, like it let Cardiff fans. No, and it cracks me up. It's like they say they have 18,000, but I think 6,000 of them are season ticket holders, so you've got to say they're there. But they're yeah. never, they're never, they're never there. there. The crowds have been awful this year. Um, it's unfortunate because I think actually in January, considering they've got no money to spend, they've done some decent business. Yeah. Um, and I had Darren Pearson here um, a couple of weeks back now, and like he's taken over the 23s. Yeah. I think that's going to be a yeah. really good um, appointment. appointment yeah. And then <laughs> Mark Hudson's in there with Morrison as well. I spoke to Mark Hudson as well, I'm trying to get him in. But um, yeah, it, I just. It's just a strange, like I said, to go back to the Barnet and They're putting City. some good things in place. It's just whether, because I've had uh, Mehmet Dalman on a few times now, and um, like, he does, he talks a good game, and he's a you know, cracking chap, like, uh, very charismatic, and he's used to dealing with media and stuff, mm. so he's gone answer for... Knows what's coming before you yeah, ask him. Yeah, and he, I asked him some... You know, I didn't shy away from him. I asked him about the Salah stuff. We've had a long conversation about that and, and different stuff. But the fact is, the club's got no money mm. to spend. That's just the way it is. Um, and I think, at least now, they look like they're starting to put things in place. I felt like they were missing proper football people mm. off the field. Um, so I'm hoping, and I like you look at some of the people they brought in in recent times. I, I think the kids, like going back to when I came through, the kids give you a bit of time as well. Yes. Because fans will be more a little bit, give you a bit more leeway if they see young grown kids coming through. Again, like going through what I said, you've got to be really careful with that because when they they're have fighting the relegation, mate. There's no doubt about it. This year they're fighting relegation. Hundred percent. You imagine um, what it could do to some of those kids. And going back to the Bellamy thing, I look at Steve Morrison, and I honestly think. I learned. It took me two years to get my head wrong coaching with kids. Mm. I know he's not coaching kids, but some of the stuff he comes up with, Morrison. Well, he does that thing to um, Isaac Davis. Yeah. You've got to be careful, and I think a lot of that's experience. But then, do you know, I sorry I, to interrupt you, I, um, I had a bit of a rant about that um, on my show with mm. Rodri. Like, I wasn't happy. I thought it was pretty yeah, I thought it was disgraceful. Like, but then someone in the live chat pointed out, the next game he started and scored. and scored. I think he scored two in a couple of games. So Steve Morrison was obviously the academy manager when he before mm. he was promoted to the first team manager. So maybe he knows Isaac Davis yeah. well and I, I, I know Isaac, Gabs wasn't yeah. happy like because he It's his player though, um, isn't it? Gabs. Yeah, I remember he was chasing him. him uh, when he was becoming an agent. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, it's, it's just like anything. I, I think you either take the coaching or managing straight away. Some people are lucky. You look at Steven Gerrard, but then Steven Gerrard got all the people around him. Morrison's gone and taken a gamble. Yeah. He's going to be an experience of stuff. Takes time. And the media, no, media, no, Jesus Christ. You don't know what, it's you know, exactly even like me speaking to constant, you, like you know, I'm like wary, even, I've got nothing to hide. I've got mm. no allegiance. I could slag anyone off, but you're still like, oh, yeah, if I say that, like, what's going to What's the repercussions? It's everywhere. But when you're you know? managing a championship club, it must be so, you know, it must be even harder. Yeah, 100%. I am. Um, it's internet, and it? it just makes everything Social instant. media. 100%. And you can clip it to all you want, you know, you, it, a clip could come out, and, oh, you've missed the, the three minutes before, though. Yeah, the context of it all. And it's just, yeah. Oh, I've seen and when it's printed, that. it's even worse. Yeah, it? and it's a shame because do you know what happens with that then? It's, people shy away from it. People shy away from it. And I think, like I can say, like every single footballer, fighter, journalist, whatever I've, I've spoken to either on the internet or in here, mm. they all come away and they're like, I really enjoyed that. That was really sound. Weird. I think the way you've done, I think the way you do it, like even before the camera's on, it's much better because like once I start yapping, I know I've probably yapped too much, but... You, you're not like thinking, oh, hang on. Like that, when you asked me the question, then that was the hardest bit. Well, who's the biggest prick? Yeah, but yeah. the questions in general, because it puts you on, you, yeah, you've got to think yeah. then. You're not just talking about. Mm. Like, like oh, I've got one one question which I finish these shows with, which is, it's a bit of fun, like, but um, Lee Jarman, what's the meaning of life for you? Um, being happy, I think. Enjoying. Um, I think going back to when I was 17, 18, going back to those days, you look back the best you know the best times of my life because you're not tied down by anything. You've got you know wor no worries, no cares. As you get older, as everyone knows, you know you bring kids into the equation. You know general day to day life's tough, isn't it? You, working's tough. Yeah. It's but the only thing I would say as well, the the, the ground that I had as a as a like a, as a white tee that's helped me so much later in life because I don't think if I had had that grounding I wouldn't have the work ethic I've got now and I know that sounds a bit sad but unfortunately we all have to work. Yeah, it's the graft of it, isn't it? Like, because you, you, when you were 15, 16 you were doing all those chores around the ground and, and working, like you said, from 7 in the morning to 11 at night or whatever. Like, that sets you up, doesn't it? So you, when you've come out of football you are used to doing a proper job, like... That's my that's my one worry now with kids because not everyone makes it. Very rarely people make it. You know those kids when they felt are out of football and I, and we pick up people at Penabont now who've come out of the game. They've had a cushy now until twenty ones and now they, unfortunately don't know what to do. You've got to go and find a job in a factory. You've got to go and play part time football. You've got to train on a Tuesday and Thursday and get up. It's a massive wake up call for them. Mm. They're like, oh, hang on a minute. I used to drive in at ten, have my breakfast, be on by one. Yeah. And I'm so glad I, you know, I had that grounding when I was 16, 17 as a YT. But um, you've got, to, you, you know, you only get one life, don't you? And it goes so quick. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky. 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.